welcome you to New Hope Christian Center here in Lamita. Uh, this is our first Sunday service that we're streaming. And so in our own small way, we're fulfilling the mandate of the Lord to start in Jerusalem, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So if anybody's watching me out there, God bless you today. So good to see you once again. And uh, so we're so blessed today. I'm going to be looking this morning with you at the book of Job. And I want to be speaking about lessons learned in times of adversity. And so could I ask you to stand with me this morning as we look to the Word of God and we learn from this precious saint in the Old Testament by the name of Job. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You ask, who is that that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about. Things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. And here's the key verse in that segment. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. You may be seated this morning. That passage that I just read, Job is speaking to the Lord. We look in the book of Job, it's really uh, made up of five conversations that went on. Uh, Job had some friends, we like to call them friends, that spoke. And then Job himself speaks. And he, like all of us who are going through times of suffering and adversity, is asking God why this is all happening. He was questioning why, how a saint such like himself, who had honored the Lord with all his heart and soul, could be suffering so much. So he asked questions of God. And then God really takes a strange twist, and instead of answering his questions, if you read the book of Job, God begins to question Job. And so that's how the narrative develops, through five conversations. And so this morning, as we look to this, I'm thinking that most of us in life, like Job, at one time or another, or in the future, will be facing things that are really tough to face. We will be facing adversity. And... In Job's case, in one day, according to the scripture, he lost his family, he lost his wealth, he lost all of his possessions because he was a very wealthy man, and a short time after that, he lost his health. And on top of it, he had these three who we like to call Job's comforters that are always looking for a reason when you're in time of suffering instead of just ministering. To make things worse, he had these three friends who finally get to the point where they claim that he is suffering and telling him to his face, the reason you're suffering, Job, has to be because you have sinned. And that is a misconception that many people even today misunderstand. People don't always suffer because of sin. It rains on the just and on the unjust. And 
what's so difficult about these three friends, one of it takes it a step further. Think of it. The man loses his whole family, his children, his possessions, his wealth, and eventually his health, and one of them says, you know what, Job? You haven't suffered enough. God should do something more to you. So, you know the old term with friends like these? Who needs enemies? I hope you have no Job's comforters in your life. The truth of the matter is, Job didn't suffer because he was sinning. I'm not going to say he didn't learn some very deep spiritual lessons about God in his suffering, but it wasn't because of his sin. Those of you who have studied the book of Job realize that Job's faith was being tested because if you look at chapter 1, the accuser of the brethren, Satan himself, goes before the Lord and says, you know, you've protected this man, Job, and he's served you with all his heart and soul and everything he has, but I tell you one thing, if you take away all that he has, and eventually Satan says, can I take away his health? If you take those things away from him, this man, I guarantee you, will curse God and die. And so we see through all the chapters of the book of Job that Job questioned, Job wondered like we would, but he never cursed the Lord. Now, for some reason, the Lord allowed his wife to survive. And what was her advice? Why don't you just curse God and die, Job? What a helpmate. Talk about adversity. That's what he had. And so, eventually, adversity will come to all of us. Any of us who have lived for any period of time are going to be going through some difficult times. I wish it wasn't that way, but that's the way it is. And so, how do we respond? You know, they say things like, do we become better and we can't, or do we become bitter? And I've seen both acted out in people. I've seen people who have become better, such as Job, and I've also seen so many people, unfortunately, that have become bitter against God because things didn't go their way. In some way, somehow, they felt that God let them down. How we respond. And so this morning, as we get into our sermon today, there are a lot of things that we learn in adversity. Patience, faith, trust, so many things. How to suffer, the goodness of God in times of trial. But we want to look at a couple of two or three things that are just a little bit below the surface, some deeper lessons that Job learned in this time of suffering. As good as he was, as faithful as he was to the Lord, there were things that this godly man still had to learn. And from what he learned, I think many of us today when we look at these passages and listen to what we're sharing today, well, maybe you'll discover some things, too, that you've never thought about. The first thing, so simple, Job, in his time of suffering, discovered the, recognized the sovereignty of God. I know that you can do anything, he says. No one can stop you. That's what he says in verse 1. During the midst of his suffering, Job begin to understand the sovereignty of God. When we talk about the sovereignty of God, we talk about the majesty, the omniscience, the creator of all there is, whose dealings with men 
can withstand any challenge. That's God. And in his suffering, Job, finally, he, he heard of it, but now he begins to see the deeper expressions of God's presence on earth and in his life. I heard it before, but now I've really seen the light. Job reasoned, God, how could all the righteous suffer like this? You know, if you turn to, to chapter 31, verses 3 to 7, it says, here, here is Job pleading his case. See, God doesn't mind us pleading our case, by the way. He says, come, let us reason together. Isn't it, isn't it calamity for the wicked God and misfortune for those who do evil? Doesn't he see everything I do and every step I take? Have I lied to anyone or deceived anyone? Let God weigh me on the scales of justice, for he knows my integrity. If I have strayed from his pathway, or if my eye or my heart has lusted for what my eyes have seen, or if I am guilty of any other sin. Job is reasoning with God. God, I thought the suffering was only for the evil. He's thinking of suffering as punishment for sin. I thought, God, I'm a saint. Why am I being punished? See, he had a misunderstanding of suffering. He thought it was suffering, being punished for his sin. He pleads his case there. I've got to hand it to Job, by the way, because unless I've missed something, I don't see anywhere in the book of Job that Job ever got an explanation for why he was suffering. God didn't even give him one. Look at that. We want answers. God, he's asking God. God doesn't answer. God questions him, as I told you. Nowhere in that book does it say that Job understood. There's something there. There's something there. Aren't we like that sometimes? I have faced things. Some of you here have faced things in life as Christians that we don't know why it is happening. It makes no sense. So he asked God, why am I suffering? And if we're here today or out there on the internet watching, I want to tell you this morning, there are times in life that we cannot understand the workings of God by rational thinking. There will be things that we just don't understand. We don't. And I want to go even further to say, there might be some things in your life that you will never understand in this life. You just won't understand. I lost a daughter to cancer about five years ago. Wonderful Christian. I said she was the best Christian in the family. Wonderful saint of God. And I know that it rains on the just and the unjust. I know that already. And I know that God didn't punish her for her sin. But I thought about the godly life that she left, and I just quite didn't understand it why it had to happen. Well, I didn't want it to happen. But it did. And there are just things like that that we will never understand till we see the Lord. Remember the old song? 
We'll understand it better by and by. When the master calls, now I'm getting too old. <laughs> there will be things that happen in our life that we will not fully understand in this life. You know, the Apostle Paul, I think he gives us a, a tip in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. He says, in this world, we look through a glass darkly. But then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. We can't see everything right now. So the question is, when things come our way that we don't understand, and we realize, hopefully, that we're not being punished for sin, because we will be punished for sin if we are sinning. That's why Peter says, don't suffer as an evildoer. So what do we do when we have these questions that come our way, and we have no answers for them? We have to be just like Job and realize and know that God is always good. God is good? All the time? So either that's true or false, and we declare that it's true. So we have to come to the understanding that no matter what's going on in my life, my Heavenly Father, who loves me, is always good. He's always good. And we have to realize, and this is the part where in our natural sickness we've got to catch on to it, that he has our highest good. See, there's something there. Uh, I have my good. I'd like my daughter back, okay? Still wish I had her back. But he had somehow in all this the highest purpose that I am beginning to see. I would call that the eternal good. The highest good that goes and transcends beyond our own hearts and emotions and our own wishes. That God some way, somehow in the middle of the storm has a purpose for all of this, for the betterment of all. Because it does declare all things, it doesn't exclude anything, work together for good to those that love the Lord, those that are called according to his purposes. All things are not good. I often think uh, my wife was baking a, a cake for Brother Joe. I'm jealous, Joe. She never baked me one. Yes, she did. She made sure she had a loaf for me. I've already eaten one-third of it before I left this morning. <laughs> but when I, used to, when I watch her bake, you know, they put the flour and then the salt and then the yeast and I don't know what else that you women put in this stuff. You know, if you just ate the salt straight out or the, a straight shot of flour or whatever you put your, you, you would gag, you'd probably throw up. They don't taste good. In fact, they taste quite ugly apart from other things in the mix. But when you put it all together into a recipe and you stir it up and you bake a beautiful cake, all things, all those bitter parts come together with the sweet and it makes a beautiful loaf of bread. In your case, Joe, banana nut bread. <laughs> Praise God. I am really jealous. <laughs> so what do we do when we face things we don't understand? Because I bet you, if I asked for some of you to raise your hands today, there would be several of you in this room and those that are listening out there that would say, there are things in my life right now. I love the Lord with all my heart. I've tried to keep from sinning and I don't know why these things keep happening. I don't know why it doesn't go away. I don't know why this happened to me. I'm here to declare to you, just know that your God is good, that he has your highest good in mind always and we rest our faith on that. Yes. And we leave it there. 
We just have to trust God. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Praise the Lord. You know, Job, God bless you, man. With all that he lost, he finally gets it because he never could say what he said in Job 13, 15. What does the man say after he pleads because he took his kids and he took his wealth and his possessions and all that stuff? When he begins to understand the Lord, he goes on to say, though he slay me, I will yet trust in him. That is a powerful statement. There are so many Christians that when things don't work out, they really get, they just get blown away. And that's normal to a point. But hopefully when, when we get a hold of our senses, we'll get to the place like Job, that knowing that he has our eternal good in mind, Job says, even if he takes my very life, I still will trust him. What did the three Hebrew children say when they were going to go into the fiery furnace? We're not going to bow down whether God delivers us or not. We will not bow down. That is resolution. That is faith. That is trust. That is commitment to the promises of God and resting in that. Just trusting the Lord. Okay, we want to move to the next one. We're already kind of getting there. Personal revelation often comes in times of suffering. Job said, I have heard of you before. But in this great trial and through all this suffering, I now have seen you with mine own eyes. God often reveals himself to us greater than ever in the times of the storm. Because one thing, we're praying like we never prayed before. We're claiming the promises like we've never claimed before. We're asking God to come in and bring deliverance into our lives. And he does come and he does minister to us. I'm telling you, there have been times when I went through the most suffering in my life that I felt closest to the Lord. We cling to him, the old rugged cross. We cling to our Lord in times of suffering, and that's when he really makes himself known to us. We really see him in the midst of a trial. It makes no sense, but it happens. You know, when Isaiah went into the, tap, uh, the, into the temple in chapter 6 of that book, I'm going to paraphrase. This great prophet of Israel says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Then he says, what does he say? Woe is me, for I am a man with unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. Here is a prophet of God. When he sees the Lord, whose train fills the temple, and he sees the Lord where God, the Lord belongs, high and lifted up, he yells out, Woe is me, I am unclean, and I dwell among a people that are unclean. Then he says, because mine eyes have seen the king of kings. When we get a glimpse of the Lord, we'll see ourselves. You know what's so beautiful about that experience? 
The Bible says that some seraphim flew down and they took a coal from the altar and they touched his lips. The very place that he declared his sin to be, God ministered to. But it happened when he saw the Lord. Many of us have heard the Lord, but have we seen him? Have we been in his presence? Where the word is not just like parroting scriptures that we read, but we feel the power and the, the presence of the Holy Spirit when we're praying and when we're in the word of God. We're beginning to see the Lord. And that's what happened to Job. And he had a wonderful life before. The Bible said that this man would woke up every morning. What a priest he was in his family. And he would offer sacrifices for his children. And he said, just in case they sin. He had every bit covered. He was on his way. But he didn't arrive until he saw the king of kings. God revealed himself to him in the time of suffering. This test of faith and the suffering that he went through. And I wish, church, that we didn't have to go through it. My heart aches when it goes. I, I don't want to go through it myself. But you know, sometimes when we are crushed, that's when the Lord is going to make his presence known to us. I told you the story about my daughter when we went to pray for her in the hospital just before they were going to do the amputation of her left leg and left hip. We were praying with her sister Rebecca in the, in the hospital room. Debbie was laying on the gurney. And we were praying so hard. I was praying in the spirit. My daughter was praying for her. Then all of a sudden, my daughter got quiet for about two minutes. I don't know why. At the end of the two minutes, when we stopped praying, she says, Dad, when we left the room, when we were praying, I saw a presence hover over my sister's body for about two minutes. She says, I saw it. And then I felt it when it left. Now, did my daughter get healed? No. But that told me God was there. He had not forsaken a crying, sorrowing dad and a sister. It was so touching because that morning, you ladies that are here, she was doing her sister's nails on her feet. And I'm thinking, that's a man, what are you doing the, her, her feet for? They're going to remove that leg tomorrow. She says, I want the surgeons to know that my daughter was, my sister was a classy woman. I said, that, that's for you ladies out there. But God, didn't that do something to dad's heart? That's the love of a sister. In all of our pain and our grief, God let us know, I haven't left you. We saw his glory that way. And you know what it says in the book of Psalms? I love it. For one, thou hast enlarged me in my distress. You know, you talk about being stretched beyond your normal capabilities, talking about your faith growing. Now, it's easy to declare your faith when everything is going well, but I want to tell you, when your faith is really proved, it's when you're going through suffering. If you can still come out with a song in your heart at the end of the day, the Bible, we used to sing a song before, anyone can sing when the sun is shining bright, but you need a song in your heart at night. And sometimes it's a weeping song, sometimes it's a crying song, but from the believer there's a song unto God that goes forth. And the Bible says, weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. That's what it says. God bless you.
Praise the Lord. Thou hast enlarged me. God grows us in our times of suffering. But that, that only depends if we just give ourselves to him. I don't like the stretching. It hurts. It costs. But we trust the maker. And I learned so many lessons from that. Now we're going to move to the third point this morning. We talked about uh, he understood the sovereignty of God, the majesty, the omniscience, the wonder, the unquestioning of God's ways in dealings with people. We talked about the idea of personal revelation can come in the times of suffering, and it really can if we allow the Lord to move, and how we can be enlarged, strengthened, and stretched in our times of distress. But then here's the third part. This could be a sermon on its own, but I don't have that much time today. We're going to put it all in the one. A not-too-common type of prayer that brings healing. And I want to read that to you this morning. Because these three friends now, God was really ticked off with. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you he was. After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, sounds like my mother. After he speaks to one of us, he's going to go speak to the rest of the family. I'm through with you, young man. Not whatever. After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, this is for all the people that have been tearing you apart of what's happening out there. They too will have their day of reckoning. We're not looking for that. We don't want that. But God will take care of those who have come against you wrongfully. He does it. We don't wish it. We don't want it. But God does judge people that do that. After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So take seven bulls, this is costly, seven rams, and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. Now Job's going to be acting like a priest. And he's all covered with boils and grieving. Still ministering to the Lord with all this stuff. My servant Job. You know God loved Job. Sending these people with this man that's all covered with boils and weeping and crying and asking him to pray. My servant, my servant Job will pray for you. And I will accept his, his prayer on your behalf. I will not treat you as you deserve. For you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. They, they were telling Job that God was punishing their friend because of sin. They were not speaking accurately. So Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namathite, did as the Lord commanded them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. When Job, this is a big truth here, prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. And then all his brothers, sisters, and former friends came and feasted with him in his home, and they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him, and each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. The minute he prayed for these three fellows that caused him so much pain, who had prejudged him, the healing came. And I, you know, I've had to pray this prayer before myself. Now, think about the challenge. First of all, those of you that are ministries, 
Sometimes when we're in ministry, people know we're going through a personal hell in our own life. We have families and problems too, and short of money, and people are getting sick. But we're, we're over here blessing, and we love it. We love it. We love it. Some people don't know that even the priest himself sometimes is going through some stuff. And it's so funny how when you're at lowest moment, the Lord will send you to minister to someone. And you say, man, I, I, I can't. I, but that's, see, God's strength is made perfect in weakness, and we have to be obedient. And I think there are some people here that have had that experience when they're in their lowest moment, when Murphy's Law is taking place and everything's blown up. Now somebody wants you to come and counsel them. Stay open to them. Job prays for deliverance for his three friends. Note the challenge. One, if I were Job, now I would hope God would work on my heart like he must have been Job's. I don't know if I'd be too enthused about right away praying for the three people that tore me apart. That's not in my natural bit. I'm just being honest. Would you be jumping at the idea? Maybe some of you would. Okay? Good. He's got to pray for the ones that literally cursed him. Now, before Job can even do this, he has to forgive them or he cannot pray with sincerity. What a man of God. We need to learn a lot about Job today. He had to forgive these people so that he could pray with sincerity. But then, Pastor Sam would be thinking, if I'm Job, these three should be praying for me. I'm the one that lost everything. I'm the one that's got the boils. I'm the one that has a sin, according to them. And God, you want me to pray for them? And even more than that, he's praying for them, and he himself hasn't even been healed yet up to that point. Ministering to others in the time of suffering. Man, that's when I can tell that God's got a hold of somebody when they can take a licking, like I said, and keep on ticking for God. That they're cast down, but not destroyed. That even in their brokenness, and even in their sorrow, I, there are people here in this room that are doing it right, and I admire them so much, and I've known others throughout my life, who during their darkest hour of personal need, they still had within themselves and their hearts the desire to reach out and to minister to somebody for the sake of the Lord. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Some of us in the morning, we burn the toast, we don't want to go to church. <laughs> Let's face it. His toast was burnt, his house was burnt down, his health was gone. He's, in all of his brokenness and hurting and suffering, this man of God is praying for deliverance. We used to have a sister that used to come to this church. Her name was Marie Kerr. She was a personal prayer warrior for me for about 10 years. And she used to say, and she was one of those people that had a heart for other people in the body of Christ that were struggling with stuff, had some issues that perhaps other Christians didn't want to get involved with. I don't have to get into any details. But she seemed to be called to the ones who were really weak and suffering in the church. And she was a very well-dressed, classy woman, elderly woman, who owned businesses. But I watched her in the church, and her ministry was to go out to the ones in the body that were really hurting, that maybe perhaps other people would pass by. She told me many years ago, Pastor Sam, when you go about God's business, 
he will take care of yours. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto today. He, he prayed for them. He was instantly healed. I believe that there are people today, maybe not just physically, but I certainly emotionally and spiritually today, who are suffering in their bodies, and a lot of it has to do because they haven't forgiven people that have hurt them in the past. There's people that are really suffering today. There are people, even Christians, I'm sad to say, that have went decades carrying bitterness against somebody. I don't like to carry all that mess, do you? And then you have to keep building cases about that person that did that, and that person skipping on with life, and you're over here fabricating another thing. That takes an awful lot of energy. Rid yourself of all if there's bitterness or unforgiveness. No matter what they've done to you, give it to the Lord. And not only that, forgive them in the Lord. And also, when you get to the point like Job, begins to bless them in Jesus and will his best for them, knowing that Jesus also loves them. Like those three men, like he loved Job and us. That's just a, a, a little cue that I would give for you. That there will be many healings, I believe, in the body of Christ, especially emotionally and spiritually, if people could bury the hatchet and let it go. He prays for the guilty. He's healed. And so this morning, as we come to a close, lessons learned in adversity. I wish we didn't have to go through it. But Jesus said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. Things are going to happen. But you know, trust in the Lord. Learn some things in your times of suffering. You'll grow deeper and stronger in Him. So let's stand to our feet this morning as we close the service. And Lord, maybe even out there this morning on the internet, there's someone that was touched by the sermon. I pray, Lord, that even as the saints are gathered here in Lamita, Lord, first of all, that you would meet the needs in this particular church. Lord, because there are people right now in this room that are going through adversity. I know it. And Lord, I wish I could remove it. I wish I could just wave that wand like Naaman wanted of the prophet and it would go away. But it doesn't always go away right away. So I pray, Lord, that you'd give more grace. Lord, for the thorns of the flesh that come. For whatever purpose, Lord, I pray that you give strength and grace to these people. And may you reveal yourself to them in their times of suffering. Show them your glory, Lord. They heard of you before. But help them to see you, Lord, in the midst of their trial. And knowing that their loving God always has their highest good in mind. And that weeping will come for a season, but there will always be a time of joy. So I pray, Lord, again, once more, come against any problem that anybody is having, Lord. Make them strong. Send Christians around them to support them this day. But help us always to know, like Job, that you always have our best in mind, no matter what we're going through. And help us, Lord, again, to learn to forgive those who have wronged us no matter what they've done. We give it all to you, Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Give the Lord a hand today. He's good, isn't he?